Praise God. Amen. So how many of us have been enjoying this series, Decade of Destiny, so far? God's been moving powerfully. God's been doing some awesome things uh, through this series. And uh, tonight we are going to continue. And I just want to recap a little bit uh, of these, some of the topics that were spoken about as we kicked off this series. Uh, week one, Pastor Danny uh, spoke, about, uh, spoke about your choice, blessed or stressed. That's a choice that we all have. The, the week after that, Pastor Ruben talked about getting where you want to be. And, the, and last week was the life that God blesses. So I'll tell you that God has been preparing us this month on a trajectory for blessings. Can you say amen? I believe that God is doing something powerful, something that he's never done before, and he wants to put, uh, place us in a direction, do something powerful in our lives. But in order to do that, we have to position ourselves for the blessing. We have to prepare ourselves, prepare our hearts for all that God has for us. You know, sometimes we think that it's just going it's, it's to smack us in the face one day. But no, there's some preparation, there's expectation, there's faith, there's, there's, a, there's a process of sowing that, that we have to participate in and allow to take place in our lives. As we have applied all that we've heard this month, I believe that God has prepared us, and He is preparing us. I believe that God is equipping us, and I believe that God is positioning us for blessings over the next 10 years of our life, decade of destiny. My prayer is that God let this decade in my life be a decade like no other. Let this next year be, be a year like no other for, for my life personally between my, my walk with the Lord and, and, and collectively as a church with, with my wife and I and, and our kids and our household and our church and everything. Lord, let this be a decade like no other. I'm expecting that. I'm believing that, that. And I'm telling you what, I'm preparing for that in my life. I'm expecting that. I'm expecting God to do some great things. As we talk about this next decade, the fact is, this next 10 years, no matter what, they're going to pass. The next 10 years are going to go by. I mean, here, we're already at the end of, of January. The time is just going by. The next 10 years are going to go by. And we have no control over that. What we have control over is in what condition are we going to be at the end of this next decade? Are we going to be in the same place that we are today? Or are we going to be at a different level, at a different stage, a different, a different relationship with Christ, a different level of our walk with Christ, that we would look more like Christ at the end of this next decade, at the end of this next year, at the end of this next month, that we would look and be more Christ-like? Can you say Amen. And it's all up to us to determine what we're going to look like, what we're going to be like, what condition we're going to be like at the end of this next 10 years. Now, the purpose of this series, Decade of Destiny, was to attain a new level of blessing in our lives. We focus on many aspects of spiritual growth to prepare us spiritual, uh, spiritually, emotionally, financially, physically, mentally, vocationally, and relationally to make the next 10 years the best years of our lives. Can you say amen? I'll say it one more time, to make, make the next 10 years the best years of our lives. You have to receive that. I have to receive that this evening. Now, as we talk about the decade of destiny, and that word destiny is, is profound. It's powerful. It's something with so much weight and so much importance in our life because we understand that we're only given one life to live. 
and the span of our life, if, if we're blessed to be here 80 years, 90 years, in the scheme of eternity, that is just but a vapor. It goes by. And our city, our state, our county, our world, we experience just on Sunday such a tragic loss of, of Kobe Bryant and his, his, his beautiful daughter and, and the, the, fa- the other families that were in that helicopter. And Man, that tore me up. And I know it impacted every one of us because why? Because it showed me how fragile life is. And I know that. If you were to ask me, ask me that at any moment, I would be able to give you the answer. Life is but a vapor. We're not promised tomorrow. I understand that. But how many, what happens when we see something like that so tragic? I'll tell you, in my life, I've been appreciating my beautiful wife and my family that much more. I've been focusing more on giving them a hug throughout the day and coming home and spending time with them a little bit more and, and being able to put my priorities and the things that are important to me. You know, sometimes we get home and we want to just, just check out and we want to just, just lie on the couch, turn on the TV. But it was a wake-up call. It was a wake-up call for me. I'm blessed. Man, I'm blessed. God's blessed me with a beautiful wife. He's blessed me with beautiful children. God's blessed me. And does that mean that everything is perfect in my life? No, it doesn't. Far from it. But I'm still blessed. Amen? I have a wife who loves me. I have children that, that, that are happy when I get home. Amen? That, that, that meet me at the door with, with screams of, Daddy, I mean, I, I love that and I appreciate it that much more and how fragile this life is. If we've been putting, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but if we've been putting anything off, let's not put it off anymore. If there's some relationships that we have to mend, if there's a phone call that we have to make, if, if there's, there's some mending that we have to do, even, yes, maybe with our spouses, saying, I'm sorry, forgive me. I'm going to get it right. Thank you for being patient with me until I get it right. You know, loving your children, kissing and hugging your children, pouring into them. As we talk about destiny, the big question is, how do I figure out what God wants me to do? That's a big question. Because we know that, that we were fearfully and wonderfully made, that God has a specific plan for each and every one of us individually, something that he's called you and I to do specifically, something he's created, created you and I to do. The question is, how do I figure out what God wants me to do? Because we understand that God didn't just create us to take up space in this world. He called us to make a difference. Can you say amen? He called us to, to, to uh, win this world for him. We're here to make a contribution. So the title of tonight's message is, How Can I Know My Destiny? That's the question. And tonight we're going to pray and ask God to help us that we would be able to look at God's word and, and out of the book of Esther, that we would be able to focus on God's word and understand what his destiny is for our lives. And before we pray, I want to put up on the screen this, this equation, if you will, that gifts plus need plus calling equals destiny. And those are the things we're going to be focusing on tonight. The gifts, the need that's around us, our calling, and faith ties all of this in. And we're going to talk about destiny this evening. So let's pray uh, tonight that the Lord would help us. Let's bow our heads and please agree with me uh, tonight. Father, we're so thankful, God, this evening for all that you're doing in our lives, God. Lord, we appreciate all that you've done so far. 
And God, if you were to never do anything else for us, God, you've done enough already, Lord. We just thank you that we're allowed uh, to be here in your presence, God. That we're allowed to know you personally, Father God. We thank you, O oh Lord, for the gift that you've given us in Christ Jesus, the gift of salvation. Father God, but we know that you're not done with us yet, God, and you have much more planned for us, God. And in the time that we have here on earth, Lord, I pray that you would help us to use it, to use it to its fullness, Father God, that we would accomplish all that you have for us, Father God. And I just pray, Lord, that you would use me as a vessel, that you would minister your word, God, that we would all walk out of here different, Father God, taking steps towards our destiny, my God. We thank you. We give you praise, honor, and glory. We ask in Jesus' name, and we all say, amen. amen. Praise God tonight. So as we look in the book of Esther, chapter 2, Esther, the book of Esther is a profound account of Esther's life and how God used her and her gifts to make an impact in her world. Now the entire book of Esther, it's not the longest book, but I would encourage you to spend some time reading it because it's a powerful story. But I just want to give you a little bit of a recap and, and a little bit of a summary about what the book is, and, and it's going to take us into our first point. Esther was an orphan. She lost her parents, and she was raised by her cousin Mordecai. And the setting of, of her life, of Esther, was she was in this province ruled by a king named Xerxes, okay, in a, in, a, in, a, in a place called Zusa. Now, King Xerxes was a powerful king, and the Bible says that he ruled a, a 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. So this, this was a ruler, King Xerxes. And we see here how Esther had a powerful role to play in the course of history around her. Now, King Xerxes was a man who liked to party. If you read, read the book of Esther, he was a man who liked to party. So what he did is he threw a banquet, and he, he invited all his, all his officials, everyone around, he invited them to come to this banquet. And they began drinking wine, he began feeling good, and he, he began, he would love to just show off his power and all that he had. And what he did is there was a queen that was there with him, and her, her name was uh, Queen Vishti. Queen Vashti, and what he did is, while he was partying, while they were all there at the banquet, he sent his people to summon Queen Vashti so that everyone could behold her beauty. He just wanted to call her, call her in front so everyone could just behold her beauty. Look at my queen. Look at, look at what, what I have. Look at all the, royal, the royalty and the riches I have. Look at my queen. But something interesting happened. happened. Queen Vashti, she didn't come. She said no. She refused him summoning her. And how many of us men might be able to relate to this? Oh, man, don't get me started, right? Whenever we, we want something to happen, sometimes we're about respect, right? We want to be treated right. We understand this is an important thing to men. And here was Queen Vashti on, on such a public level dissing King Xerxes. So what happened? His officials and his, his, his people around him and his squad and all those officials that are around him, they said, King Xerxes, you got to do something about this, man, because what's going to happen is all the other women in the country are going to look at Queen Vashti's example and they're going to start disrespecting their husbands. And it's going to be something that you don't want to do, King Xerxes. So let's create a decree, a law that will banish Queen Vashti. 
So the king said, yeah, I can't be disrespected like that, so let's do it. So they wrote a law into to place, and they, they made a decree. And long story short, Queen Vashti was, was banished. They kicked her out. She was gone. They took, they took her royalty from her, and they banished her to an outer place. Now Mordecai was a faithful servant. He was there uh, serving King Xerxes. And because there was no queen around, what King Xerxes did is he summoned all. He said he wanted to find beautiful virgins to bring around him so he would have other beautiful women around him. So what they did is they started to summon all these people around them to bring these beautiful virgins around them so he would have other, other ladies around him. And here we get into the story, and Esther was one of these virgins that came into the king's presence and that's going to get us right into our point number one. And there's more to the story, but we'll get into it in just a moment. But we're going to look at the life of Esther. And the first thing I want to talk about is as we talk about destiny, we're going to see how Esther was, was, met her destiny and used the gifts in her life to change the course of history and to even save an entire people. The first thing we have to understand is that we have to recognize the gifts that God has given us to use. God's given you gifts in this place, each and every one of us. You have a gift. You have a plan and you have a purpose that God created just for you. You have a special and a unique gift that God created for you and I to use in this world. God's given us these gifts to use. Now, sometimes we look at our life and we may think, man, I've, I've had a hard life. I was dealt a bad hand, we might say. But church, if we understand God's sovereignty, we understand that he has a plan and a purpose for everything that takes place in our life. Can you say amen? Isn't that right? That God has a plan and a purpose for everything that we've gone through and are going through. We understand that God is sovereign. We may have gone through hardships, through struggles, through trials, but we can't shake our fist at God and say, God, why did you, why did you deal me this hand? Why is my life in this condition? As we understand God's sovereignty, we understand that he has a plan and a purpose for every single thing that you and I have gone through. Can you say amen tonight? God's created us all with different purposes, but he's created all, us all equally. We're all valuable to him. Each and every one of us, we're all valuable to him. We're all loved by him. Can you say amen? He loves each and every one of us. We're all important to him. And that's a message right there for this day and age. You're important to God. That should just be able to raise up our self-esteem. The way we look at ourselves, sometimes we're our, our own worst enemies, our own critics. We let the devil lie to us. But you're important. You're created by God to do something powerful in this world. You're important in this world. And as we understand that we were all created equally in the way that God loves us and how valuable we are to him, we understand that we were not all created equally regarding the gifts that we have. Now, some of you out there, you got multi, a multitude of gifts, man. You're talented, and you're able to sing. You're able to play an instrument. You're able to write. You're able to speak. You're able to be social. You're able to, to enter any social situation. You have no problem with it. But then there are the rest of us. We might have one gift. We might have a couple of gifts. I mean, I think about our, our home uh, relate group and uh, our group who's wonderful, who uh, indulges, indulges me and allows me to sing a worship song uh, as we lead in worship. And, you know, I'll tell you what, I do my best. That's all I can say. But I'm no singer. 
I'm not like, a, like, like, like Brother Tony up here or Danielle or the rest of the singers, you know. And sometimes what happens, we can get mad at those who have those gifts, right? We get mad at them. Man, they sing so good, right? Why, why did God bless them? Or the instrument players playing the drums or the piano or the, or the guitars or whatever it is. They're up here for a reason. Their voices are beautiful. They're able to sing. They're able to lead us all into worship. Each and every one of them that are up here, they have that gift. Can you say amen? That's beautiful. That's awesome. And they found that gift. And I'll tell you what, they're, they're investing in that gift with all the practice. But you and I have a gift as well. And the question is, what is your gift? What is my gift? What makes you, you? What are those things that God has entrusted you with? that he's gifted you in. We have to understand that we are not accountable to use the gifts that we do not have. We're not accountable for that because God didn't give us that gift. But we're accountable for the gifts that he has given us. The gift that he has placed inside of you, inside of you you're accountable for that. I'm accountable for that. If it's the gift of teaching, you're able to expound on the word of God. You're able to teach others. That's a gift. You're able to encourage others. Anyone, anyone comes by you, you, have, you, you know the right words to say, to encourage them, to lift them up. That's a gift. You're accountable for that gift. Now the Bible says in Romans chapter 14, verse 12, each of us will have to give a personal account to God, each of us, regarding what he's entrusted us with. Now, as we talk about gifting, I, I use the example of, of musicians, and that's just, one, that's just one of the gifts. But as we look at gifts, we have to understand that God has a place for our limitations as well. See, sometimes we can just look at what we don't have. Man, God, you, I, I wish I had this, but you didn't create me with this, so, so now I'm going to be discouraged. I'm going to be fed up, and, and I'm not going to go forward anymore. But we have to be able to consider the limitations that we have in our lives. And God can be glorified in those things as well. Because when we are weak, what does the Bible say? Then he is strong. Our limitations, the things that, that we struggle with, God can even be glorified. That, that's what being, God being sovereign means, that in every area of our life, he can have control. He has a plan and a purpose for each and every area of our life, for the gifts and also for the limitations that we have. And let's relate this to Esther. I mentioned that Esther was an orphan. She lost both of her parents. Such a tragic, tragic thing. She was a, mi a minority. She was a Jew living in Persia. She was a believer in Almighty God in a pagan society. She was a minority. She was a single woman in a male-dominated culture. She had no rights. She was young and poor. But you know what all these are? All these are a profile of a world changer. These limitations, these struggles, if you will, these things that she may have at one time looked at in her life and said, I am without. I am poor. I am needy. I don't have anything. I don't have anything to offer this world. Those were the very things that put her in a position of greatness to in, in, uh, influence change in the world around her. And this should minister to you and I. I said, sometimes we're down in ourselves. We might think, man, God, what did you create me for? 
I fail. I trip up. I freeze up. When you call me to do something, I, I, I just, I, I freeze up. And then our self-esteem is affected. And then there's the flesh, doubt. There's the devil trying to whisper in our ear. Don't even bother. Don't even try it. But if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen? If God be for us, who could be against us? Now, when we look at Esther, what were some of the positive gifts that God gave her? One, she was wise. We're going to look here in a, in a couple of scriptures that show that she was wise with her words and she listened to advice. Secondly, she was, she was attractive. It says here as we read that the king had, had, prepared, had uh, desired to prepare them for a, for a long time with beauty treatment so that, that he could be blessed by them. So she was attractive. She was wise and she had the most powerful thing. She had the favor of God. Man, I'll tell you what. The favor of God is amazing. Now, Esther chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, we see here that the Bible says that Esther pleased Haggai. Haggai was the, the, lead, concu uh, the lead concubine uh, there in, in the house. Esther pleased Haggai and won his favor. Immediately, he provided her with beauty treatments and special food. He assigned to her seven maids selected from the king's palace and moved her and her maids into the best places of harem. So here we see that she had favor. In the second part of Esther chapter 2 verse 15, it says, Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. She had favor. Esther 2.17, she then won the king's favor and approval more than any other virgin. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen. She had favor. The favor of God, church, is something that we should seek after. So many times we could be preoccupied with seeking after the favor of men and women that are around us, people that we want to, to, to gain the approval of. And if I could speak to any youth that are in this place and in our young adults, don't let that be your motivation. This applies to all of us, but I want to focus on you for just a moment because sometimes we can compromise who we are because we want to be liked by everybody. Isn't this the truth? We could compromise our convictions so that we can gain another friend. But any friend that wants you to compromise your convictions is not a friend that, that's worth keeping. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? See, Esther had character. And this is something that we have to be careful with because we could be so preoccupied with gaining the favor of this person and that person. And what happens, we end up chasing the approval of men and women. And there's no blessing with that. There may be a short-term benefit. You may get a pat on the back. But when you and I have the favor of God, oh man. And you've seen it in your life. I know you've seen it. The favor of God, what does that do? Man, the favor of God will open doors that no man can shut. The favor of God will shut doors that no man can open. The favor of God will cause your feet to tread on territories that you would have never dreamed possible. The favor of God will bring elevation in, in your life, in your workplace. Can you say amen? The favor of God will allow you to have influence over, over those social circles that God has placed you in. The favor of God, the favor of God is something that we should desire. See, Queen Esther had favor, and we see here how it made a way for her, and it says here at the, 
uh, Esther 2.17, he made her queen. Now, as we talk about finding our gifts and understanding our gifts, the, the gifts that God has given us to use, none of these things would have happened in Esther's life if she had not experienced these limitations. If she had not been an orphan. She was single. A married man couldn't have grabbed the king's heart. She was a minority. She was a Jewish, a Jewish person. And because of that, she was able to save her people, as we're going to learn here in just a few. So I want us to take away that although we have limitations, although there are things in our life, the landscape of our life, or at our workplace, or at our school, or, or maybe in our family, or wherever we're at, it may look like we're surrounded by limitations, and we're struggling with this thing and with that thing, but I'll tell you what, that God is getting ready to show off in your life. God is getting ready to turn a new chapter and a new page in your life, and we need to receive that this evening. We have to live with expectation and faith. Maybe we've been experiencing this past decade, we've been hit with a lot of limitations and struggles, but God is about to do something new. God is about to change the course of your life. He's about to rewrite things in your life. Can you say, man, I feel it. Man, I feel it already that this year, that this decade is gonna be a decade like no other. I'll tell you what, man, we started this, this decade off right. We just got over that 21-day fast. What a blessing, amen? A blessing. God moved powerfully, and he's still moving. See, what's happening is we were seeking God. We were doing our best, and I'll tell you what. If there's any sacrifice that you made, you fasted in any capacity, in any way, any sacrifice that you made for God, I'll tell you what. God, he honors that. God receives that. If you did it with a right heart unto God, God receives that. He is blessed. And God is going to do something powerful in your life this year and this decade. Praise God. Now, as we look in Esther chapter 3, verses 9, and as our story progresses, I just want to recap a bit that, that Esther was now made queen and she was in the presence of, of King Xerxes, she was in a place of influence. And Mordecai was a servant in King Xerxes' house. And there was a man named Haman. And this man, Haman, was a prideful man. He was one of the officials of King Xerxes. He was a powerful man. But he was prideful. He was pompous. And the Bible says that, that as, as, as he would walk by, people would become terrified of him. They would bow to him. They would, pray him, they would pay him respect. But Mordecai, he was a Jewish man. He believed in Almighty God. So whenever Haman would walk by Mordecai, Mordecai didn't give him the time of day. In Mordecai's eyes, I think, he was just another man. So he's like, I'm not going to bow to you. You're just a man as I am. And Haman was such a prideful man that, that this made him mad. This made him upset. He began to hate Mordecai. And what we see is he began to hate him so much that he went to the king and he asked the king, Oh, king. If I pour into your, to your treasury, if I give you all this money, allow me to make a decree that would annihilate the Jews. And he started to lie about the Jews and said that they're, they're people that don't go by your customs. They're a different people. They, they, they don't belong, and they're not, they're not in line with what we do. And now we see here in Esther chapter 3, verses 9 through 11, here's what he says. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them, talking about the Jews. And I will give 10,000 talents of silver to the king's administrators for the royal treasury, in verse 10. So the king took his signet ring from his finger and gave it to Haman, son of Hamaditha the Agite, the enemy of the Jews. 
Keep the money, the king said to Haman, and do with, and do with the people as you please. Here was a bad situation that was about to take place. We have to understand that God has a purpose and a plan even for the bad things in our lives, the struggles that we face. And what was happening is Esther was being positioned in a place. There was things that were starting to transpire, and Esther was going to be in a place where she was going to be able to save her people from this horrible thing that was going to transpire. We have to understand that unpleasant obstacles are God-ordained opportunities to make a difference. I'll say that one more time. Unpleasant obstacles are God-ordained opportunity to make a difference. In Job chapter 23, verse 9 through 14, Job says this, I don't see God in the north, for he is hidden, so I turn to the south, but I can't find him. But he knows where I am going, and when he has tested me like gold in a fire, he will pronounce me innocent, for I have stayed in God's paths. I have followed his ways and not turned aside. I have not departed from his commands, but have treasured his word in my heart. Nevertheless, his mind concerning me remains unchanged. And who can turn from his purposes? Whatever he wants to do, listen to this, he does. For he will do for me all he has planned. He controls my destiny. Church, what does this show us? That nothing in our life is accidental. God controls our destiny. Each and everything that we've gone through, every struggle, every trial has a plan and a purpose. God is not about wasted tears. Every tear that you and I shed, God has a plan and a purpose for it. Now as we move on, I want to ask you the question, what has God given me to use for good? What gifts has he, has he given you to use for good? Maybe it's your business connections that God's blessed you with. Maybe it's wealth. Maybe it's language, your influence. Maybe it's your location. Maybe it's your passion. But God has given something for all of us to use for the good, and we have to ask ourselves what that might be. I believe the Holy Spirit is bringing revelation, even in our hearts right now as we're talking about this. We have to recognize the gifts God has given us to use. Secondly, we have to identify the need that stirs our hearts. Now, there are things that we face, and there's a question. There are things that take place in our lives and around us. And if it causes you to ask the question and declare that, man, someone has to do something about this thing. Something is going on. Someone has to do something about this. Maybe there's something taking place in your life. Maybe it's at, at your workplace, you see a need and, and it just bothers you and bugs you. Man, someone has to do something about this. No one is doing it. Why is God showing you that? Perhaps it's a pathway for your promotion you've been praying for. Maybe something in your family or in your community or in your neighborhood. Something's taking place and, and no one else is doing anything, but it's, it's, just, it's just gnawing on you and it's eating away at you and you're thinking, man, someone has to do something about this. Can I say that that is a part of your destiny? That God is birthing something in you and, and, and he's placing some kind of irritant in your heart that would cause you to be unsettled and uneasy while this thing is transpiring around you. Why? Because he wants you and I to act. Can you say Amen. Moses was someone he saw, Moses saw injustice, the injustice uh, of slavery. Nehemiah saw a defeated city without walls. David saw an arrogant Goliath dissing and cursing the people of God. 
with David and Goliath, there was, a, there was an entire nation. All Israel was there seeing Goliath cursing the people of God, an entire nation, but it took one person to say, man, someone has to put a stop to this. Someone has to do something about this thing. David said, that person is me. That's me. Any powerful movement, any revival, you know, any powerful movement, it starts with a person. It starts with a man or a woman who, is, who becomes righteously upset with righteous indignation and says, I, I'm not going to stand by and watch this anymore. And what is that thing that God has shown you in your life that you can't put, put up with anymore? Maybe he's calling you to make a change and do something about that. In Esther chapter 4, verse 4, as King Haman made this decree, and, and, and they set a date, March 7th, throughout the land, March 7th was the day that they were going to annihilate the Jews. Mordecai heard about this, and he began to mourn, and he was out in the streets mourning and crying, and he, he, he rent his clothes, and he tore his clothes, and he was in mourning. And Esther, the word got back to her, and she sent her servants out to find out what was going on. And in Esther 4, 4, it says, When Esther's servants told her what Mordecai was doing, she was deeply disturbed. Does anything disturb us anymore? Or have we become numb to what's going on around us? These things that we see and that we experience, at one time it convicted us, at one time it, it, it would cause us to do something, but have we become numb? The Bible says she was deeply disturbed as she was disturbed she made a choice to act on it there's a powerful scripture in Isaiah chapter 58 verses 6 through 11 this is a promise for you and I as we see things around us that disturb us if we as we see things around us that 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 we can help and we could bring change and we can affect change in the world around us there are some awesome promises that will take place in our life now as we look at this scripture in Isaiah chapter 58 verse 6 through 11 I want you to note the actions and the promises here actions which are our part to do the things that we need to do and as we do those things the things that we will see God do because of our actions and I have them notated in blue up on the screen. So Isaiah 58, 6 through 11, remove the chains of oppression and the yoke of injustice. So we see here that it's talking about removing the chains of oppression. There's an action. The yoke of injustice, that's another one for us. And let the oppressed go free. Share your food. Hello. You're like putting it on the brakes. Share your food with the hungry. That's an action we could, we could do. Uh, we could help this world. Open your homes to the homeless poor. Give clothes. There's another action, another way that we can help this world. Give clothes to those who have nothing to wear and do not refuse to help your own relatives. I'll read that again. Do not refuse to help your own relatives. Then, here's the good, the good stuff, okay? Then, my favor will shine on you. Can you say amen? That's for someone this evening. You need to receive that. Then my favor will shine on you like the morning sun. Here's a, here comes another one. Get ready. Your wounds will be quickly healed. Can you say amen? Maybe you're believing in God for some healing in your life or healing emotionally. This is the answer right here for us to act and to help others. The Bible says your wounds will be quickly healed. Here's another one. I will always be with you. That's good news. Can you say amen? 
Man, I'm getting excited. I hope you're getting excited because I am. I will always be with you to save you. Praise God. And my presence will protect you. There's another one. You want protection? There's your promise right there. Protect you on every side. When you pray, here you go, I will answer you. Receive it tonight. When you pray, I will answer you. When you call to me, I will respond. There's another promise. Can you say amen? If you put an end to oppression, to every gesture of contempt, and to every evil word, this is for us tonight, church. If we will put an end to every evil word, we have to watch how we talk, the things that we say. If we're bickering, if we're complaining, if we're gossiping, we have to put an end to that. If we do these things, if you give food to the hungry and satisfy those who are in need, here we go, then the darkness around you will turn to brightness. Maybe you feel that there's a dark cloud around you. You're struggling through different things. This is the promise right here. The darkness around you will turn to, brightness, to the brightness of noon. And I will always guide you. There's another one. Can you say amen? And satisfy you with good things. I will keep you strong and well. Can you say amen? So as you and I, as we give ourselves into these actions, into accomplishing all that God wants to do in our lives, as we become obedient to this scripture, and we help those around us, we minister to those in need, we make a difference in this world, there are so many promises for you and I. The second question is, what needs do I see around me that disturb me? That's part of your destiny. Maybe there's a city that needs to hear the gospel. Maybe it's just burning on your heart. That's part of your destiny. Maybe there are coworkers at your, at your workplace that need to hear the gospel and it's just bothering you. God's challenging you to go speak to them. At your school, at your workplace, in your family, there's something that's disturbing you. That's the conviction of Christ. Act on it and God will move. The next thing is we have to, as, as we prepare to close here in a moment, the next thing, man, oh boy, time goes by, doesn't it? Take the time to hear God's call on my life. Let's look at Esther 4, 13 through 14. Now Mordecai was reaching out there and he was telling Esther about the terrible things that were going to transpire and Esther told Mordecai, do you not know if I go into the king's presence and I am not invited, then I can very well be put to death. That was the reality. If she went into the king's presence and he didn't present his scepter to her and she was uninvited, then he could just, just kill her just like that. So she told him this, and here's what Mordecai said, Esther 4, 13 through 14. He sent back this answer, do not think that because you are in the king's house, you you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your family, your father's family will perish. Now listen to this. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. If I could have the worship team come up. Did we catch that? And who knows but that you have come to your royal, royal position for such a time as this. For such a time as this. Here was Queen Esther, an orphan. Went through hardships through, through the morning of losing her parents. She was a minority. She was down and out. And here through, through God moving and, and powerful things that would transpire, she was in the very presence of the king. She didn't see that all the hardships, that all the trials, the struggles that she faced in her life were just the pathway for her to get to her destiny. Roadblocks, perhaps. 
mountains, struggles, hardships. An unbeliever looks at these things and says, I'm washed up, I'm done, my life is horrible. I'm dealt a bad hand. But the believer that understands the sovereignty of God, you and I understand that the trial, the hardship, the struggle, the disappointment, the tears, the hurt, the pain, everything that we went through is a pathway preparing you for such a time as this. Oh man, your testimony is being refined right now. Your testimony this year, this month, is much better than it was last year. Because why? Because you're being refined in the fire. Now it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good at all. But you were created for such a time as this. And this is, this is for us, church. Receive that this evening. Your, your struggle in your family, at your workplace, in your community, wherever you're at, you've been facing and you've been striving and struggling. Maybe you've been, you've been in, in ministry and you feel that you've been striving and you've been doing your best to work for the Lord and, 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 and you've been going through different things, but you haven't given up. You haven't thrown in the towel. Those disappointments and those hardships are a pathway for the blessing, man, that God is just setting you up for and God is about to bless you. God is about to show himself off in your life, to do something powerful in your life. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Receive that this evening, church. The struggle, the hardship, the pain, the hurt, no matter what you've gone through, you were created for such a time as this. And God is about to show himself off. We're talking about decade of destiny. We're talking about destiny tonight. Let's prepare ourselves to take that step into our destiny. And if this last week hasn't showed us anything, let it show us this, that life is frail. That if you and I have been putting off our destiny into taking that step of faith, let us not wait anymore. Don't let another day pass. Maybe there's a promise that God's given you and your wife. Maybe it's time for you to take her hand and say, let's do this, babe. Let's do it. Fear, let's throw fear in the back seat. Fear, let, let, let's, let's forget about fear. God's going to take care of it. God's going to prepare the way. God's going to move if we will just take a step of faith. Why? Because we were created for such a time as this. And as we close here, Esther chapter 4, verse 16. Esther said, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Esther laid it all on the line, church. She was fed up, and she said, yes, I'm even willing to die for this thing. I'm willing to die for it. We can't fully live until we know what we would die for. We can't fully live until we know what we would die for.